filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Caligiuri. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where week after week I'm condensing books down to their core golden nuggets, saving you time from having to read it all yourself. This week, the book... The Orderly Conversation, Business Presentations Redefined. This book's by Dale Ludwig and Greg Owen Bodger. Now, at some point in our career, we're going to have to make a presentation. I don't care what role you were in or if you're in a technical role, a professional role, if you're a manager, you're going to have to make a presentation at some point in time. How do you deliver that presentation? How do you prepare for that presentation? What does that presentation look like? Chances are the presentation that you think it's supposed to look like is not the way that Dale Ludwig and Greg Owen Bodger believe it should be. They believe in having this orderly conversation as opposed to this presentation that we're so used to giving. So I picked up this book because I was interested. It was a tip that somebody gave me through uh, an email. and They said, you got to check this book out. It really changed how I approached my philosophy to giving presentations. I liked the book. It gave me a different perspective, a different frame of mind. There weren't that many takeaways from the book, but the new, I guess, perspective that it provided to me, I found was quite valuable. So I want to make sure I share some of those takeaways with you guys, and maybe I can shift your perspective in terms of what a presentation looks like for you moving forward. So why don't we crack right into this one, you guys. The Orderly Conversation, Business Presentations Redefined by Dale Ludwig and Greg Owen Bodger. Golden nugget number one. Great presentations should be more like conversations and less like a performance. Now, it's funny. When I read this book, I thought about how I present. And I present more like a performer. And that's how I was taught to present through so many years of training and school and college and what was expected of me in the working world when I first got out there. And as I started to present more, I started to realize, you know, there's different ways that I can get more out of my audience. There's better ways that I can get my audience more involved in that. And I found that when I present, if I get my audience more involved, it makes the presentation more lively. That's exactly where the author is trying to bring us to. The challenge is, as we grew up through school, we were taught to present in certain ways. These methods of presentation actually gave way to what the author calls three presenter types. The dutiful student, the entertainer, and the nervous perfectionist. So the dutiful student, this individual is more focused on the classic rules of presentation. They're more concerned about what their slides look like, what their slides say, how they sound like. And they're focused on those elements more than they're actually worried about the effects that their presentation is going to have on the audience. As a result, this individual, the dutiful student, because they're so by the book, they actually are very disconnected from their audience. And they're more focused on just delivering their own content. So that's the dutiful student, doing things by the book. Next, you have the entertainer. Now, this presenter type... They are great at controlling their voice, great at using their body language. They, um, they don't mind being in front of an audience. They're very comfortable in that situation. The challenge with the entertainer, though, is that because they're focused on entertaining the audience, the content that they're sharing may not make as much sense and may not come through as clearly as they would like because they're more focused on providing an entertaining experience. And so the entertaining experience takes the place of the content. And so they rely on their charisma to get them through things. And they focus less on the content and, again, less on the core message they want the audience to take away. 
Now, when I look at those two, I think I'm more of an entertainer than anything else. I definitely rely a lot on my charisma, and I never have a problem getting in front of an audience. You know, we're all scared of public speaking. Me, I love public speaking because it gives me an opportunity to get on stage and entertain people. And I'm fine with that. But I also know as I read through this, I'm like, you know what? I could probably do presentations a little bit better by focusing on the core content and by helping them follow along a little bit better. But anyways, I'll get into that a little later on. The last presentation type, the nervous perfectionist. Now, the nervous perfectionist, this type, they rehearse. They memorize. They utilize every single technique that they can possibly have to prevent them from screwing up to ensure that they have a great presentation, to keep them from getting nervous. The problem though is that with all this rehearsing, it's actually counterintuitive. The more they rehearse, the more nervous they get. In their desire to become a perfectionist in their presentation, they're very rigid, they're very nervous, and they have to stick to it. And if anything falls off base, if anything doesn't go according to their plan, you know, it's gotta go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. What happens if it goes A, C, E, B, E, G? Oh my God. I'm screwed. This person gets so nervous in their presentation and they have a very difficult time recovering. And it's because they practice so much. They wanted to make sure that it went according to plan. The challenge is with presentations, it doesn't always go that way. And so regardless of what technique you really learned in school and what technique or, or, or what presentation type you are, in the end, a presentation is more like a conversation and less like a performance. You're not going up on stage and having this big barricade between you and the audience. You got to take that barricade down. It's not you up there by yourself presenting some content. It's you trying to get into a conversation with your audience. And what really drove this point home for me was a line from the book that I really, really liked. And that point said that a presentation is unpredictable as there is a constant exchange between the presenter and the audience. In fact, this interplay is essential to bringing the presentation to life, capturing the interest of the audience, and fostering a learning environment. I love that because when you create that environment of learning, it just brings your presentation to life and people get more involved, they're more awake, they want to contribute to it, they just are more engaged in the presentation. And if you're looking for an example of this, a great example is a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk. And I featured Gary's books on the show before. And I'm sure many of you who listen to this, you've heard Gary before. I've actually included Gary on some of the, um, you know, motivational pieces that I include at the very end. And what he does very well is he creates this orderly conversation between himself and the audience. And how does Gary do this? Well, Gary traditionally starts off his presentations in the traditional fashion. He gives a presentation. Right? He asks for a little bit of context first. He asks who knows about him. Uh, he asks them a question about uh, who knows his shtick, who's read his books. And he starts creating that conversation right out of the gate. Then he gets into a little bit of a presentation, maybe 15, 20 minutes. He presents in the traditional fashion as most people do. But then after that, he breaks down the wall. And he says, I'm opening it up to Q&A. And he allows people in the audience to ask questions of him. That kind of model, that kind of presentation... It's more of a conversation than it is a presentation. And because of that, Gary does extremely, extremely well with when it comes to presentations. He's sought after by organizations and individuals all around the world because they want to have him there. Why is he in such demand? It's because he has a different presentation type. He has more of a conversation than a performance. And that's where we need to get to. And that's what this book helps us understand. So if you want to become a great presenter, yes, hone your craft, become a better presenter, understand how to use pauses, understand how to use different tones in your voice, understand how to project your voice, 
But the key takeaway here, you guys, is that your presentation, it's less of a performance and more of a conversation. That's the big takeaway here. And I love this because it actually takes a lot of pressure off of you as the presenter and says, you know what? You're allowed to free flow a little bit. You're allowed to go off the cuff and be comfortable doing so because a presentation, it's unpredictable and it's okay to be unpredictable. Now, with unpredictability may come a little bit of risk. So again, this unpredictability will be covered off in the next Golden Nuggets in terms of how to manage that through this orderly conversation. So let's get right into that next one. Golden Nugget number two, identify your goals and assess your audience. So how many times, and I know it's probably a lot, but how many times have you actually sat through a presentation, listened to the presenter, sat through it from start to finish, and the very end, you didn't retain a whole lot? Right? Chances are a lot of you are raising your hands right now saying, yeah, that's me. I've been there. And that retention, the problem of retention isn't your problem as the audience member. It's the problem of the presenter. It's because the presenter didn't actually come to the table with a structured framework that helped you truly understand why you were there, why you were listening, and what the important pieces were to take away. And to help you avoid an instance like that, when you become the presenter... I don't want you to be sitting there and at the very end have your audience say, I didn't retain a whole lot. No, I want them to sit there and say, wow, I learned a lot. And here's the points that I took away. But in order to get there, you have to follow a framework. And it all starts with your goals. Start off by identifying what the goals of your presentation are. So when doing this, what I want you to do is I want you just to think ahead to what you want your audience to have thought, what you want them to feel, what you want them to experience after your presentation is done. So for example, if you are giving a presentation in a business setting and you're introducing a new process, maybe you're introducing like Six Sigma or Lean or Agile or something new that people aren't used to, you need to consider how your audience is going to respond to the information that you're bringing to them. So your goal might be, I want my team to be excited about this new process. That's a good starting point and everything's going to build down from there. So start off with setting your goals. What do you want your, your, your presentation to accomplish? What's your goal? The second step, you have to consider your audience. So think about who they are, uh, what they're bringing to the table in terms of experience. Are they familiar with the topic or are they not familiar with the topic? You have to understand your audience so that you can craft your presentation around them. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, how well will they understand this topic? By asking yourself that question, it'll tell you how deep and how technical you can get in your presentation. Sometimes you might be presenting, for example, again, let's go back to Gary Vaynerchuk because he's a good example, but go back to Gary Vaynerchuk and sometimes he presents his marketing content in front of a whole room of accountants. And so he actually asks this question. He goes, how many of you are familiar with my shtick, with what I do? You know, so once he asks those questions, it gives him context and it tells him that, hey, I can't go into this presentation talking about the finer details of social media. I have to keep this one fairly high level to really ensure that people are understanding and they're with me on this. Because if he didn't even ask that question and he assumed that these folks were fairly experienced in social media, he would have lost them and he would have failed that presentation. But Gary's better than that. So he always asks that question. So again, remember the first question, how well will they understand this topic? The second question that you need to ask yourself before you build your presentation is, will it be easy to persuade this audience? And now this question is very important to ask because the audience might hold opinions that you need to change. So for example, again, going back to Gary Vaynerchuk, the accountants in that room, will they be easy to persuade? These people are by the book. They believe in ROI. They believe in dollars and cents, money in, money out, very structured. 
And so social media talks a lot about ROI and where's the ROI in this? So Gary needs to be very careful when he goes into that room. How easily can I persuade these people? He needs to demonstrate to them the value of social media. He needs to make concrete stories in terms of how he's grown organizations, how he's taken brands from, you know, zero to 100,000 followers and what that means to them in dollars and cents. He has to be able to communicate with strength that appeals to them in order to persuade them. So if he's trying to persuade them to say, hey, you need to invest in social media, he can't talk about the creativity, the fun, the uh, engagement. They're not going to listen to that. He has to talk about dollars and cents because that's how he's going to persuade them. So if he says, you know, compares advertising dollars, which a lot of companies are perfectly okay putting money into, you know, he talks a lot about putting millions of dollars into advertising and challenges them to say, what kind of ROI does that generate? Can you tell me? Knowing full well, they can't tell him. And so he goes now to the social media realm and he makes a pitch for that. And he says, now put even a quarter of that money, even an eighth, the 16th, that money into social media. And I can guarantee you, I can generate an ROI off that. And this is how that's how he's going to persuade them. And so you need to ask yourself that question. Will it be easy to persuade my audience? So again, before you even start to develop any slides for your presentation, you define those three areas. Number one, you define your goal. What are you trying to accomplish? Number two, you ask yourself questions about your audience. How well will they understand this topic? And will it be easy to persuade them? Ask yourself those questions, ponder on them for a little bit. And by giving just a little bit of prep time to that, it's going to help you think a little bit more critically about your presentation, about your content. And it's going to allow you to tailor it towards your audience in a more personal fashion. Golden nugget number three, framing your presentation. The reason you need to frame your presentation is that your audience's comfort zone is in the introduction and in the conclusion. Where you shine, that's the body. That's where you as a subject matter expert share your content. But you need to first frame your presentation to tell people why they're there, what needs to be accomplished, how your goals will be reached and what they stand to gain from it. And by focusing on those elements, what you do is you give your presentation direction. You give it purpose. You give it context and you give them a reason to participate. And in your conclusion, you give them a summary of what the next steps should be. So now they understand, hey, this is what I'm going to learn. They listen to your presentation. This is what I just learned. And the finale, the conclusion, this is the summary. This is the next steps. Here's how I can take what I just learned and put into practice. So now the first way to do this in your presentation is to first call out the audience's current situation. What's the current situation? Are sales down and we need to figure out how we can get them up? Are sales up and we don't know how they got there, so we need to figure this out? Are we focusing now on sales and this is how we're going to focus on it? You need to help them get context around what the current situation truly is. That's step one. Your next step, help them understand the goal or the recommendation. So here, tell them what you're trying to accomplish. The goal with this presentation is to help us understand why sales are dipping you might be a recommendation. My recommendation is to implement a process that will help us avoid a dip in sales or put in place a strategy that will help us increase sales. Whatever your goal is, don't try to make your audience guess and what they're there for. Help them understand very clearly why they're there and what they're getting out of being there. Now, I find this point very funny because that's not how we present traditionally. You know, the way that I grew up in presenting was you provide the recommendation at the very end. You present, you present, you present, you provide point, provide point, provide point. This is my recommendation. And because of all the reasons that I just said, this is why I'm recommending it. 
Now this model in this book, they're telling you to flip it. Start off by telling them what your recommendation is. And now the rest of the presentation is point, 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 point to help people understand why you made that recommendation. Very simple flip, but I agree with it. Don't make people guess what your recommendation is. Tell them up front what the recommendation is and spend the rest of the time telling them why that makes sense. Now, in your third firming element, this is where you want to share with them the agenda. So you've already told them, you know, what the current situation is, what the goal or recommendation is of the presentation. Now you're going to run them through the agenda. And again, the agenda is just a very simple point form item of this is what we're going to talk about today. Point A, B, C, and D. Again, you're just framing the presentation. They're comfortable. They know what to expect. They know why they're there. They know what's coming. And in the final framing element, you focus on benefits to them. So what's the benefits? They're sitting through this presentation. What are they going to gain out of it? Well, what they might gain out of it is clarity in terms of how they're going to achieve their sales goals. It might be understanding how they were able to be successful before in the past and how they can replicate that success in the future. What's the benefits to them? Pretty simple. So those are the four key framing elements that you have to consider when you're delivering a presentation. The audience's current situation, the goal of recommendation, the agenda, and the benefits to them. And by doing that, what that does is it gives your presentation direction. It gives it purpose. It gives it context, and it gives them reason to participate. It takes away all questions in terms of why they're there, and your audience is now primed. They're ready, and now you're ready to get into your presentation because now they know exactly what to expect. Very clean, very easy. And you can do this for anything from a presentation where you're a thought leader and you're, you're trying to teach people something. It could be a, as simple as a, a meeting, a sales meeting that you're in. There's no reason why you can't apply this same framing method to any type of presentation that you deliver. Last but not least, golden nugget number four, creating fruitful discussions. This whole idea of the orderly conversation really comes down to this fruitful discussion point that the authors talk about. How do you create fruitful discussions? Well, what they talk about is a balance between encouragement and control. A lot of people want to have a lot of control in their presentation. They want to have complete control so there's no surprises. There's no risk involved to me because I know exactly what's coming. Well, that presentation's kind of dull. You don't really get a lot out of that presentation. You kind of lose yourself in the presentation. It can be a little bit boring. They have complete control. You're not engaged at all. Then you have the encouragement piece. Now, you want to bring up the encouragement piece a lot more because it's going to engage the audience. It's going to bring them into it. They're going to feel a part of your presentation. And because of that, it's going to make it more lively, more engaging, more memorable. And so how do you do that? A part of that is using your slides. Again, you framed it. They understand why they're there. We don't have to go over that again. But with your slides, what you can do is you can give them a little bit of encouragement and bring them in a little bit more. So a lot of times people use slides as, a, as an afterthought or they use slides as a guide. This is exactly how we're using the slides. I like using slides as a way to accentuate certain points you're making. So you might start off your presentation by saying, okay, guys, current state, here we are. Sales, they have dipped 53%. And you might want to go ahead right now and show them a graph of the sales over the past four quarters and then demonstrate, you know, with a sharp, you know, whatever red explosion box where they are right now and how bad sales are with a massive red 53% drop there. And when you show them that slide, you might pause for a second, look around the room and then engage people, encourage their interaction, ask them a question. Asking questions is important. It takes a little bit of control away from you but you're still in control because you're asking them the question, but it encourages their participation. It gets them involved in a conversation. So you might ask them a question and say, guys, why do you think we have sales that have dipped this far? 
and just ask them for very, very brief point form answers. Why do you guys think this is? Right? Give them a little bit of control and then take back control. Because sometimes when you open it up, you might have people in the room go into tangents. They might want to go ahead and verbalize in a little bit more detail. So you have to take control back and you say, okay, so we need to keep moving on with the presentation. So I've heard all of your concerns. I've heard all of your issues. Thank you so much for your participation. And then take it right back. You have to be good at taking control. But again, this is what this orderly conversation is about. Have a framework in place in terms of how your presentation is going to be laid out and encourage your audience occasionally to pipe up, provide some responses, provide some feedback, give them, ask them how they're feeling. And the way you can do that is by asking questions very simply. The big takeaway for me here was using slides as a point to bring people into the conversation. So you can talk, you can verbalize, you can present, and then to make your point even stronger, you use a visual. When you use a visual, you bring your audience into it. Wow, like the, the, to me that creates an experience. That creates an opportunity for you to sit down and present. You own the room, this is all you. Show a slide, it makes your presentation, it makes your point pop. Then all of a sudden now that's your opening to bring them into it, it encourages them to give you feedback, to participate. It starts them into this orderly conversation that you're trying to achieve. And it gives them an opportunity to share with you, to engage. Ask them questions, allow them to talk, be flexible, right? Give them a little bit of control. But then take the control back. Be cognizant of your time. Be cognizant of where the, those questions and those comments are leading you. Don't allow them to lead the conversation. You want to be in control of the situation still, yes. But at the same time, you want to give them a little bit of control by giving them an opportunity to speak. Once you've given them an opportunity to speak, you break right into your presentation again. You know, all of these things, bring it back to the slide. All of these things that you guys talk about, you know, the reason why we're 53% down, I think you guys make great points, all great points. And I think that all of those are valid. Here's why I think we're here and bring it right back into your presentation. Your next slide that you might make, you might make a point about um, process and how process is broken. And you might demonstrate with flow charts, you know, a process. And all of a sudden you might demonstrate, hey, this process here is broken. You might have another big red explosion, process broken. Process for doing RFPs, broken. Process for doing lead generation, broken. And as you demonstrate that slide, you ask them again, guys, do you believe in this? Do you think that we're breaking process here? Or what do you guys think? Do you guys agree with this slide? Do you disagree? Chances are you're gonna have some people agreeing, you're gonna have some people disagreeing. Allow them to debate a little bit more. When you wanna bring it back, raise both your hands in the air to gain control of the room again and say, guys, again, thank you so much for your participation. All great feedback, all great discussion, great conversation. Like to me, this is art, this is beautiful. When you're presenting in such a fashion like this where you're allowing yourself to present, you're using visuals to make your points pop, you're bringing people into the conversation to provide feedback, you're taking control back. It's this beautiful harmony of the presentation that you're trying to achieve. And that by itself is how you're able to generate fruitful discussions and how you can have this orderly conversation. It takes practice. You're not going to be good at it at first. You're going to be terrible at it at first, I'm sure. But you have to allow yourself to train, to get into that. But I truly love this process, the idea of the orderly conversation. It's absolutely beautiful. I can see myself taking this and putting it into effect in my presentations, and I can definitely see how it's gonna add value to both myself as a presenter and add value to those who are listening. I love this, absolutely love it.
that's a wrap. That's the orderly conversation. Business presentations redefined by Dale Ludwig and Greg Owen Bodger. I like this book. I think this book helped me understand presentations to a different perspective. It gave me some practical tips in terms of how to prepare my presentation by talking about goals and considering the audience. It helped give me some techniques to help frame the presentation for my audience when I'm in front of them. And it gave me some ideas in terms of how to bring people into the audience by using different slides and making sure that I'm using slides more strategically and not just thinking about them as an afterthought or using them as a guide for me. I like this book because any book that helps me present better, it's a good book. And I was able to take some things from it. So I enjoyed this. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well, too. If you guys have any questions about this, definitely feel free to reach out to me. You guys can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You guys can email me, ryan.calajuri at me.com. I'm always open, always willing to chat with you guys. So definitely don't hesitate to reach out to me. And I look forward to hearing from you guys. But that's a wrap for this week, you guys. I hope you guys have an awesome, awesome week, a productive week. And I'll catch you guys back here next week with a brand new book and brand new golden nuggets. Have an awesome week. I love you guys. Writing a book or making a movie or or editing videos or starting a company, these are really hard things to do, Mm -hmm. right? It's incredibly difficult. It's often very discouraging. Um, There's not a lot of validation until very much at the end of the process, right? And so what happens is that talking about these things is always easier and always much more validating than doing them if you if you sort of have the wrong attitude. So what you see is um, people spending all their time on social media talking about what they're doing instead of struggling to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a big problem with that. There, you know, there's a Henry Fo- Henry Ford quote where he's saying you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. And so people are spending their time you're sort of missing the point right um you're you're talking about writing a novel instead of struggling to write that novel and and so you have to understand that ultimately the best thing you can do for your brand and for yourself is to just make really great stuff you know what i mean um a a book that changes people's lives um but quietly changes people's lives is still going to be a much better tool for you than a book that you market the crap out of that has very little resonance or impact, right? So I I want people to question the amount of time that they put on things like social media. I want you to question um, whose interests you're serving when you're posting on there. Like there's a great line. Um, if, if you're not paying for it, then you're the product that's being sold, right? Like you don't pay for Facebook. So Facebook sucks as much time out of you as it possibly can. It makes it as dick as addictive as it possibly can. And then it sells you to advertisers. And so you want to make sure that you're not giving up your sort of precious life and your precious energy that could be spent on your work you know, basically dicking around on social network.